I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it fast. Bring it to the bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with the first of our kind of series of end-of-season recaps. Uh, we're starting off with Tad, you can find at Tab Predicts on Twitter. He also is the host of a Tab Predictable podcast, uh, which is on EPL Index. Tad, an absolute delight having you on to talk about Liverpool now, obviously, the season didn't maybe go as people expected uh, the prior offseason uh, when it sounded like everybody was expecting yet another year of you kind of pushing City to the brink. Um, didn't really happen. Uh, kind of your thoughts on on why that didn't happen and what kind of went wrong throughout the year? An absolutely crazy year. Um, thanks for having me on. But you, you, you turn the wheel back to the end of last season Liverpool were in with a chance of winning every single trophy that they entered. Um, won the FA Cup, won the Carabao Cup, lost the league on the final day of the season, lost the Champions League final. Um, obviously, if you could pick two of the four trophies to win, we chose the the, the wrong ones. <laughs> um, but you you look at that and you think... You know we're unstoppable. This is you know we you know we, we're going to improve the team. We're going to go from strength to strength. And one thing Gerard Julio always said was strengthen your team when you're on top. It's a lot easier to strengthen your team when you're on top. And Liverpool just did not do that. This was a time when Liverpool could have really stamped their authority to say, okay, we we were close this season. But we didn't quite get over the line, maybe with the more important trophies. And I'm sorry to anyone that thinks it's disrespectful to think the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup aren't important. But I think in terms of prestige, I would argue that the Champions League and the Premier League hold more prestige than the other two. So Mm. you're thinking, okay, what can Liverpool do to get over the line next season? It seems like Liverpool looked at it the other way around of saying well, we don't really want to upset the apple cart at the moment. Um, You know, if we bring in a starter in certain position, does that make it awkward for some of the players that are currently starting and the squad? There's there's a real emphasis on squad harmony and everyone being, you know, kumbaya and all of that at Liverpool. So maybe that's why they were a bit hesitant to, to sort of move the squad forward. But in football... Kev, you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. There's no such thing as standing Mm. still. And I think Liverpool thought they could stand still and they would be fine. But as I said, you can't do that in football. Uh, Certainly not in the Premier League with the amount of of money that gets thrown around in the Premier League. Every team is always improving. Even the team that comes 
17th or 16th is going to have money to spend and is going to be spending money at a rate that's probably bigger and and, and with, with, with more flexibility than what some of the top clubs and other leagues can do. So obviously, lo and behold, Liverpool go into the season, in my opinion, needing a midfielder to come in. Um, but as I said, it would make it awkward. If that midfielder comes in, conversations need to start being had about Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, who are probably the three starters. You've got the likes of Naby Keita who come in, Oxley chamberlain Obviously, you're hoping that he's going to be fit, so you don't want to you know, cut, cut him off completely. You've got youngsters like Basetic, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott coming through. How will that hinder their development? So I think, yeah, I think Liverpool went with the, let's back the players that we have. You know, the younger players will be a year older. The older players will be a year more experienced. And it just didn't work. Um, it, it, it was sad to see Klopp um, at one point. He did an interview before the season where he sort of mocked the fans that were wanting midfield signings. And you're yep. saying, you know, who, who could I possibly buy? Um, only for him a couple of months later to turn around and say he, he you know, he was wrong, etc. Um, yeah, disappointing. Am I surprised? I wasn't. Uh, maybe I was the doom and gloom guy. I mean, it, it got to a point. Kev, there was uh, a game when Liverpool played Bournemouth, I think in around October time last year. We won, I think, 9-0. Uh, and I think I tweeted, you know, that SpongeBob meme um where you sort of got the duck face um <laughs> yeah. and i tweeted uh oh, oh watch out for everyone that's gonna you know come out and say crisis what crisis at liverpool uh for this season and lo and behold obviously i got quite a bit of heat for that because you know fans say oh you just won nine nil how can you complain etc cetera, etc cetera. and the thing for me was yes you celebrate that win but you could see if you looked at it removing your Liverpool tinted glasses. I thought it was clear that Liverpool were missing quite a few pieces this this season. I also thought, which was more damaging, is that I thought the some of the players knew that Liverpool were missing pieces this season. I'm looking at the likes of Van Dijk. I'm looking at the likes of Trent. I personally wasn't a fan of the attitude they came into the season with because I thought they felt like they didn't have enough as a squad going into the season. So you had players like that who are capable and talented and competing to be the best in the world in their positions. They, they're capable, but they weren't willing this season, in my opinion. Then you have players like James Milner, for example, who James Milner, you can never question his, his, his attitude. You can never question his commitment. James Milner is always willing. But in my opinion, I don't think he was capable. So you had the reverse. You had players that were willing but not capable, and you had players that were capable but not willing in the squad. And it just sort of, that's how the season panned out. Um, you could see the midfield was struggling. Teams were just running through us, um, which is obviously maybe something we're going to get to in terms of what Liverpool need to do heading into next season. But yeah, maybe it's because I'm, I'm a realist or maybe just not a, a super fan or I, I, I acknowledge that I'm not a, a, a usual fan that you come across of, of, of a certain football club that they like. 
Um, I, I try and look at things objectively, whether or not that's because of, of, of my day job, but I do try and look at things objectively. And objectively speaking, I was not confident about Liverpool, how Liverpool were going to do, you know, this past season. And I said as much on, on, on my podcast. I think I said as much when I came on this podcast as well. Um, but look, terrible start to the season. Not so great middle. Really, really good end to the season for Liverpool. I think you could say without necessarily getting that prize up top four at the end. Mm. But they finished the season strong. You have to give them credit for that. Some might argue it took them a bit too long to change the system. But lo and behold, they changed it. It worked. They showed something. Whether or not they can continue that into this season is going to be interesting to see. So a season that started with promise, considering how it ended last season, to not being so promising through the middle of it and then ending with promise at the end. Um, yeah, so so I, I, it, for me, it's not it wasn't um, unexpected. And maybe this is quite an, uh, an American football term. But for me, I thought with how Liverpool handled the summer last season, they shut their trophy window. Um, you had guys like Thiago, Van Dijk, Salah, Allison, who are in their prime. They're ready to win trophies now. You just need to surround them with the pieces that think that can, you know, help them to 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 go and win trophies. That's the window that Liverpool were in the last couple of seasons, and all they needed to do was a couple of signings to progress that window. They didn't do it, and I thought they shut the window. Uh, and it, you know, it, it it ended up being a lot more emphatic than even I would have thought in terms of how much they shut the window. But yeah, it it was really sad to see, and hopefully they they correct that this off season. Yeah, I think you make a lot of good points there, and it does kind of feel like they were maybe not set up for success. Um, uh, <laughs> even despite that, though, like you said, you finished really strong. You still finished top five in goals and assists and shots on target and clean sheets, but somehow around seventh and eighth for goals conceded. Do you think that was like the main issue was that it was just too leaky at the back? The the interesting thing for me, Kev, is when you look at something like that where you're conceding a lot of goals, the first place you look at is the goalkeeper. The second place you look at is the defense. And obviously when you're Liverpool and and the way that the narrative is around Liverpool's defense, you look at Trent. Um, But for me, a lot of the goals that we conceded started and ended in midfield, in my opinion. By the time, you know, teams went past the midfield, there wasn't too much the defense could do. Yes, you could nitpick here and there about positioning or stuff like that, but teams were running at us at will. You had midfield runners just bypassing our midfield so easily. And you're starting games already 1-0 down before you've even had a chance to settle into the game plan you had going into the game. That has to be disruptive at, at, at certain levels. And you could almost see that towards the end of the season where Liverpool were basically, you know, the way they were playing was we're not going to concede in the first 20 minutes. Let's just get our feet on the ground first. Okay, now we play football because it was just getting absolutely ridiculous. Um, and obviously, uh, as a Spurs fan, you you will resonate with something like that where, guys, let's just stay in the game long enough to be able to actually implement our game plan. Mm. What's the point of, of going down so early and having to chase all the time? So for me, yes, as I mentioned, Van Dijk, I don't think had the motivation at the level that he had in previous seasons this season. Um, 
obviously it that might not be the case with him personally that's just how it looked to me you know as a fan sitting watching a game i i it, it felt like when it, when when a player of real quality knows the team has something like knows that the team is ready to chase for a title there's a different level that they can go to i didn't see that level from van dijk this year Trent, for me, um, I think I mentioned earlier this season, I thought this was a, a Delhi Ali type season for him in that he needs to decide, is he just going to rely on the talent that he has or is he going to work to elevate himself to... That guy could be anything he wanted. I mean, he was yeah. playing in midfield um, the towards 10, the end of the really? season. <laughs> He's wearing the number 10 for England. Um And my dad was going absolutely crazy when, when he scored and, and playing in midfield and my younger brother who's a Man United fan was pointing out that it's against Malta and he needs to calm down. But if you look at Trent, for me, he's absolutely generational. He could play anywhere, really. He could become anything he wants to be in football. It's now about, you know, how much does how much drive, motivation, work ethic does he have? And I always say, I always mention the Dele Ali situation because when Dele Ali was coming up, there is not a person on this earth that could say Dele Ali would be in the situation he is right now. If you watch how he played football as a youngster coming up, even when he joined Spurs coming up, that guy had the world at his feet and he could become anything he wanted to. And unfortunately for him, it didn't quite go, work out that way. It sounds silly for me to say Trent could go down that same path. It's 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 absolutely crazy. But it was as crazy for Delhi Ali. It really was. So I'm glad Trent ended the season well. I'm glad. To me, I think him getting those England snubs and stuff kind of humbled him a little bit. I'm hoping gave him that motivation to say, okay, I'm going to show you. And I, I I like angry Trent. Um, whenever Trent doesn't get picked for an England squad, he usually turns up for a Liverpool game and absolutely kills it. Um, so yeah, so hopefully he's able to, to improve, but as I said, him and Van Dijk didn't necessarily come into the game with the same intensity that they had in previous seasons. That obviously then affects the way, you know, the team plays when you're already playing with the midfield that almost is playing with a handbrake or, or doesn't necessarily function that well or that energetic compared to other midfields in the Premier League. And you have Van Dyke not playing well, and you have Trent not playing well. Allison, I swear to God, that guy. I I don't get how he's not in team of the seasons, competing for player of the seasons. He'll never win it, of course, because of what Liverpool did this season. But I think he absolutely saved Liverpool. You mentioned the clean sheets. If you go back and look at some of those games where we did keep clean sheets, Allison was the man of the match for those games. So it's not like, you know, we just kept those clean sheets because we were dominating games. Allison kept us in a lot of games. He kept a lot of score lines quite low. He he made sure that Liverpool had a chance to make top four this season. He was absolutely phenomenal. Him and Salah, I think, can hold their heads up high this season. The rest of the team, I think they're questions that they need to answer. Yeah, I think a lot of that makes sense. And you touched on the midfield several times there. So I figured we may as well pick up a conversation that we were having the last time you were on the full show, which was um, having just missed out uh, seemingly on on Jude Bellingham, who now obviously has joined Real Madrid and how 
it seemed like the plan was to go all in for him, not being able to do it. And you thinking maybe that wasn't the worst thing because you actually needed uh, three midfielders. I was thinking too. Um, but you already have Alexis McAllister in, and it sounds like you are trying to get profiles for the other two midfield spots as well. Are you, are you encouraged by that development or do you still just feel like this was, like you said, a lost year for, for players that are in their prime, but you know, not that far from the downhill. Look, it, the the progress we're making in the transfer window is very promising because they are addressing positions that we do need to address. So I think that's that's always the the, the first hurdle that you need to you you need to jump over as a football club or necessarily as a fan watching your football club handle the transfer window. Is are they looking to address the positions that we feel? The team needs to address, um, and it, as, as as you alluded to, it does look like they're looking at not just one but multiple midfielders, and this is after having already signed McAllister. Now, last season, uh, you know whether they address things this season or not. I think last season you draw a line on the sand in terms of yes, it was a failure. They can't fix that anymore. That season's gone. Uh, it's a missed opportunity. As I said, it's a it's it's a wasted year in terms of the 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 the, the players that are in their peaks. But going into this season, does it, does it make me a lot more optimistic? Yes, obviously you, you're hoping that things get over the line and, you know, it's, it's never a certainty until it's signed. But there is now promise and, and, and it looks like they've seen the, the errors of their ways and are trying to address it. The Jude Bellingham thing, I think, is quite interesting because for me, the Jude Bellingham thing was something that Liverpool, whether consciously or subconsciously, for three years now, Kev, Liverpool have been putting this narrative out there that they're saving money, whether it's going in a piggy bank or whatever, they're saving money to go get Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham is the one that the club have identified, whether it's the club or Klopp or whatever. Basically, Liverpool have identified Jude Bellingham as a player that they want to get. Right now, irrespective of that fact that you want to get Jude Bellingham, okay, you've decided that that's cool. You still need to make sure that your squad is competent, and I don't mean you know going and spending a hundred million on someone else or whatever. But if you know that Jude Bellingham is a target for your club and we want to go get him, everyone knows Jude Bellingham is going to cost a lot of money. Right. Okay. So we're saving money for him, but you can't ignore everything else in that midfield. Um, you know, whilst you're saving money for Jude Bellingham, otherwise don't save money for Jude Bellingham. If you can't do both, you and as I, I preface it by saying once again, no one's expecting you to go buy Jude Bellingham and Chiuameni and Camavingas and. Kevin De Bruyne's, you know what I mean? Like no one's expecting you to go and spend a hundred million on three, you know, three separate midfielders costing you 300 million and then whatever wages they want. You know, you want Jude Bellingham. You've said that you now need to accommodate the other, you know, midfield positions with a budget that, uh, that you're comfortable with, but still address those things. Liverpool did, did, didn't do that. They spent three years telling everyone that they're, they want Jude Bellingham. They're saving for Jude Bellingham. Oh, no, we're not signing a midfielder this season because we want Jude Bellingham. Oh, no, we're not signing. And they did that for three years. 
they did not address that position because they were saving for Jude Bellingham, right? Then it comes time to buy Jude Bellingham. The price is quoted and Liverpool are shocked at the price. Now, Kev, everyone knew the range of the price for Jude Bellingham. If you were shocked at what price that Jude Bellingham was going to go for, then I, I think you're in the wrong business, really. <laughs> you, they, knew, they knew the price that, that he was going to cost. It was going to cost an awful lot of money. And Liverpool do, just don't pay those prices, which was always my issue with the Jude Bellingham thing, was if Jude Bellingham's coming to Liverpool, who are we selling? Because there ain't no way with the way we, we the, the, the policy that we, we use as a club, there's no way we're paying 80-odd million as a base transfer fee for Jude Bellingham with whatever add-ons, along with the signing bonus, along with wages that are going to be north of 300000 There's no way Liverpool are paying that unless we're losing a Van Dijk, a Salah, maybe an Allison, a Fabinho plus another. You know what I mean? That money is going to have to come from somewhere if you're Liverpool. Other clubs, they... You know, a Man United could do it because that's just the way they they structure their 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 transfers and, and their their business. Liverpool don't do that. Liverpool buy players below the fifth the, the, the fifty forty range is kind of Liverpool's range, and then if they're selling players of high value, then they'll go above that. So we saw, for example, when Van Dijk and Allison came in. Well, they came in because we sold Coutinho for one hundred forty freaking million pounds. That's why they came in. We were never going to bid <laughs> for them if Coutinho wasn't sold for that amount of money. As much as we, you know, as Liverpool's a big club, you know, arguably the biggest or one of the biggest clubs in England, one of the biggest clubs in the world, no one's denying that. But in terms of how they handle their transfer policy, they don't act in a similar way to how other clubs of their stature act, like a Real Madrid, a Man United, a Bayern, etc. They just don't act like that unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it. So for me, Jude Bellingham always felt like a pipe dream unless we were selling someone like a seller because I didn't see how we, we were going to be able to afford him. So now fast forward to Jude Bellingham's no longer coming in. Oh, shock and surprise. After Liverpool having twerked for him for about three years. Okay, now we've not addressed that midfield position for three years, if not longer in the hope that Jude Bellingham's going to be the savior to come and fix everything. He's now not coming, which means we now have three years of backlog in terms of a position that needs to be addressed. And also we have a whole bunch of midfielders that are leaving on free transfers. So we can't even sell players to replenish that midfield because three midfielders, Milner, Cater, Oxlade-Chamberlain, all three midfielders that you kind of need to replace, whether it's with youth or signings coming in, you now have no money coming in from them in order to add to the kitty to, to, to replace them, which means Liverpool now have to go and be very, very shrewd with the money they do have in order to fill those midfield roster spots. So McAllister, very, very good situation for Liverpool. It's a situation where I think Brighton just genuinely... They were scared they were going to lose him on a free transfer. So they put a clause into his contract before the World Cup, before he obviously blew up in the World Cup, to just secure a fee. Um, I'm, I can't remember if it's been disclosed or not, but a fee, right? So they, you know, get him to sign a new contract. They put a fee in there just to cover themselves so they're not losing him for a free, extend his contract by a year, et cetera, right? 
Liverpool caught wind of that and are able to take advantage of that because that fee now is a lot lower than his value based on what he's done this season and at the World Cup. So those are the type of deals Liverpool need to go and, 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 and try and execute. Some of the other players that Liverpool are looking at, obviously Kefra and Turam, uh, Manukone, Lavia from Southampton, are largely the, the, the players that Liverpool are looking at for those other two midfield positions. And again, those players will all be in the 40 to 30 million range. That seems logical for Liverpool. Now, when Liverpool do these deals, if they do these deals, I, I don't think it catapults Liverpool straight back into title contenders. I think it's sort of their bigger issues in that. I think it's it's a top top three, top four maybe try and go as long as you can in the title race and then they might fall away type of thing. But the good thing for Liverpool is if you look at their key players, the Van Dykes, the, the Trents, the Allisons, the Sellers, if those guys decide to turn up and then you've got energy and runners and, 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 and a willingness in midfield to sort of carry the piano for them, Liverpool could definitely be in a title race next season. It, it just depends now. If they secure these signings, can they key players play a key role again and, and be at that level where they where they were a couple of seasons ago. So it, it's definitely going to be an, an interesting season. But yeah, for me, the Jude Bellingham one, I uh, I was always skeptical um, unless I heard, you know, that we were selling a Salah or a Van Dijk or an Allison. And at no point was I ever confident or did I ever hear that that was happening at Liverpool. So for me, Jude Bellingham never really, I never really got excited about that one. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Gotcha. And yeah, ultimately, you may end up being a better team because of it. But as you said, you also could have just been signing midfielders this whole time uh, <laughs> and then had the same result. So uh, kind of. Whoops. I mean, Kev, yeah. we won the Champions League in 1920. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the players that Liverpool signed after having won the Champions League in 2019 was Sepp Vandenberg, who was a youth under 21 signing for 1.9 million. Adrian, the goalkeeper from West Ham on a free transfer, transfer, and Andy Lonergan, another goalkeeper, the third-choice goalkeeper, on a free transfer. That's it. That was Liverpool's business after winning a, a, a Champions League. Mm. So Not the building off the strength <laughs> that you were talking about earlier. It, it, it's, it's baffling. It's baffling. Um, and again, it's, it's not surprising that last season happened because Liverpool have been 
flying very close to the sun for a couple of seasons now with how they've been handling the the transfer windows and mm. they finally they finally flew too close yeah it happened um the thing that we've talked about i think on air but definitely off air uh before has been um kind of the team building stuff especially as jürgen klopp has gotten more and more control uh of the of the club and of the transfers and stuff like that i'm just wondering how much you think that has interplayed with that or or generally what the effect of of klopp having more control has, has been i think we we've seen a a shift in profile of players that we were getting um we started getting a lot of really technical players um you look at the Gakbos, the harvey elliott's the fabio cavalios these are players that i would probably expect a city to sign rather than a liverpool liverpool are probably more physical um bigger players um energetic players quick players to just to, to suit Klopp's system and and it, it's funny because Klopp then changed the system and as he changed the system we no longer had Michael Edwards and somehow you know we we, we started saying oh we need more technical players to play this new system we're, we're moving into and I I for one I'm, I don't I don't think it's worked all too well. Um, I think Michael Edwards was the best in the business and Liverpool made a huge mistake uh, backing other things opposed to backing him in, in terms of him being Michael Edwards. But Klopp now having more control, more power. Personally, I'm, I'm not a fan of managers having all of the control and power when you're a club that doesn't have or rather Liverpool do have the resources. But Rather, let me put it this way, a club that doesn't flex their muscle in the way that a manager would require if they have total control. Because when a manager has total control, they won't say, go and get me a player that plays like this. They usually go and say, go get me this player. So Klopp wouldn't say, go get me a a ball-playing, box-to-box midfielder that's young, athletic, and can play with both feet has experience in the Champions League, showed leadership qualities. Like Klopp wouldn't say that. He'll just say, go get me Jude Bellingham. That's, that's sort of the difference when it comes to managers managing the transfer system opposed to maybe a, a director of football or a, a scouting team, a recruitment team. So the problem comes when Liverpool now can't deliver Jude Bellingham. Whereas in the other system, it's go get me a player that plays like this they come with a list of certain players, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And then the transfer committee team or whatever, they just work their way down the list of five, you know, trying to sign one of them, obviously starting at the top, going all the way down, uh, checking with the manager, you know, if, if okay, the bid for number two hasn't been assessed, should we go for number three, et cetera, et cetera. But when we're now targeting players opposed to start targeting player profiles, I, I thought that's when Liverpool really kind of got into a sticky situation because it was always player profiles, not players. And the biggest, you know, the, the biggest advocate for that, so to speak, uh, are two of Liverpool's biggest players in the recent seasons, Sadio Mane, who was not the number one on the list of the player profile that we wanted uh, in that position 
Um, he was lower on the list, but we end up getting him. He was successful. Mohamed Salah, a player that Klopp didn't even know he wanted or didn't necessarily know about too much. But he fit a player profile. It was suggested to him. He took a chance. He trusted the team behind him, got him. He's been sensational. So hopefully Liverpool can go back to that style of things, of player profile, opposed to a specific player. Um, now with Klopp having power, it started going towards a specific player. Hopefully he's learned lessons this season. Look, one thing uh, that I do commend Klopp on is he usually learns from his mistakes. Whenever he makes a mistake, he tries to correct it, or at least the next season he tries to correct it and, and tries not to do it again. And also, Klopp is human. He makes mistakes. Managers make mistakes. But, you know, dare you criticize Jurgen Klopp um, because of all he's done for Liverpool in, in, in recent years. He makes mistakes. He made a mistake last season. Fair enough. Um, he now has control. He made a mistake. Hopefully he learns from it. And it looks like early on in this transfer window, it looks like he's learned from his mistakes and, and he's going forward. And when you have a guy as humble as Klopp that knows I can make mistakes and I, I can you know, improve and, and, and everything that we see about him lends towards someone that is like that, then it makes me more optimistic. If, if it was maybe a ma another manager that's very stubborn, that is very set in their ways where it's my way or the highway, even when I'm wrong, Klopp doesn't necessarily come across as that type of manager. So yeah, hopefully his second year as the de facto director of football of Liverpool uh, works out better than the first one. Yeah, for your sake, certainly hope that's the case. We already talked about the midfielders. Are there any other uh, positions or, or specific players you think you, you might be targeting this summer that might help you kind of get back to the level that you were at? Um, it, I think we, we definitely need a new centre-back uh, on the left-hand side. And I say this, obviously not saying I, I want to replace Van Dijk, but one, to make sure Van Dijk is not being you know, getting the insane level of minutes that he's getting at the moment. Uh, and then two, because of the new system that we're playing. If if we're going to continue with this sort of de facto three at the back when, when we're going forward and then it, it turns into a four at the back when we're defending, um, you need someone to play on that left-hand side of, of the defense. It can't be Robertson. He, he can't play that role if we're playing this new system. It's just unfortunate. If we're playing the old system, perfect, great. Robinson has great en energy to go up and down. But if if we need someone to be more defensive, na more naturally a centre-back than necessarily a full-back or, or a wing-back, as Robinson kind of is at, at Liverpool, then they need a new left-back to start there. And again, it, it goes to that thing I mentioned of what happened last season with Liverpool. It gets to those awkward conversations. How do you tell a Robertson who's been so pivotal for Liverpool over the last couple of seasons that, look, we're moving to a new system. You don't necessarily have the role you used to have. Like, that's a conversation that's going to have to happen. Um, that, or they could avoid it. They could sweep it under the carpet. But hopefully it's a conversation that has to happen and, and they address it either way. But yeah, so it, it, they'll need a, a left-sided centre-back. They've been looking at, you know, players. Um, Inacio, I think, at Sporting Lisbon, he's kind of stalled his contract talks. Um in order to, I think, just wait to see what's happening. I, I don't know if it's necessarily Liverpool influence, but it is interesting that he kind of stalled this contract um, renewal situation when Liverpool was starting to get linked with him. Um, 
Mickey van der Ven, uh, the Wolfsburg center back, really, really fast, rapid center back. He, he would be great for covering, um, especially if you're playing in that system. Not necessarily the most dominant in the air, but I think he could definitely develop. He's still quite young um, in his early 20s. Um, I think those are the two that I've really heard. Uh, I'm not sure if there are others that Liverpool are targeting there. So there's that position, the centre-back. And obviously, another reason why we need another centre-back is because Matip is getting to that awkward 18-month, 12-month phase of the contract where you now need to decide, are we renewing him or are we selling him? And I have a feeling Liverpool will probably lean towards sell rather than renew or at the very least he'll leave on a free transfer as it seems Liverpool have been doing with a lot of players recently but um, yeah so someone needs to come in to eventually take Matip's um, place on on the squad depth chart is another reason for that and then another position that we need is right back either Trent is moving into this hybrid position if so, we need another right back that's ready to come in when we, you know, when if, if Trent is now a midfielder. Or if we move back to a system where it's more traditionally four at the back, we do need another right back that can, not necessarily that they're going to take the job from Trent, but can at least be at a level that's competent for Trent to get breaks every now and then. He's another one that plays an insane amount of football. He's still so young. We, we can't be flogging him this much. We hopefully he, He's, a, he's Liverpool born and bred, so hopefully he's going to be at Liverpool his entire career. So we need to start looking at that and realising that we're going to have him for the rest of his career, hopefully. Um, and we need to take care of him so that he does get an extended career. So yeah, centre-back, right-back would be other positions that we need to target. Depending on whether Kelleher gets sold, um, our, our backup goalkeeper, we might need an, an, another backup goalkeeper. Callagher has gotten too good to be a backup, but equally, I think he's the best backup goalkeeper. So selfishly, I hope he stays because he's really, really good when Allison isn't available. Um, but he, I think he's kind of indicated to the club that he wants to pursue, you know, a starting role and start challenging for in, more international caps and stuff like that. So the club might need to do something if he goes up front. I think Liverpool are okay. Um, there are enough bodies there. If I'm being greedy, maybe a backup to Salah on the right-hand side. But uh, look, with how much we need to do this window, I, I think it's, it's it's insanely impossible for Liverpool to go and, and, and bring someone else in attack. Three midfielders, a centre-back and a right-back is a lot of business uh, in, in one summer. And as the great Arsene Wenger used to always say, you, you the moment you start adding more than four players into a squad for the new season, you, you start running into trouble. Yeah, it can get a little messy. Um, uh, fortunately, in that regard, or unfortunately for people's emotions, uh, there are some players that you were kind of talking about, Robertson, but some players whose roles have diminished. Maybe, maybe not Milner as much as some fans would have wanted. But Firmino and Milner, obviously both exiting the club. Already some touching content there on Firmino in particular. Um as you kind of gear up for, like you're mentioning, some of these younger players, is is this starting to feel kind of like the end of an era, or will that not really hit until like Salah and Van Dyke are gone? I think it is an end of an era, Kev, because I I don't as as I said for me the window shut the trans um, the trophy window shut so it 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 kind of ended perfectly so to 
so to speak, if you look at it in a grim way or, or a macabre way, in that they need to usher in the next trans- the next trophy window. What is going and just because the next trophy window is coming doesn't necessarily mean mean every single one of the players from the previous one have to leave, but certainly uh, you know a significant amount of them have to leave. And as you said, Firmino, I mean, absolutely touching video. One of those players that everybody loves. You want him to score and it was so fantastic that he got to score in his last game at Anfield and all of that stuff. The, the fans singing his song for pretty much the whole game in the, in the away game. It, it, he's a really good guy and you hope that the, whatever else he does in his life, he has nothing but joy and success. And I'm sure every Liverpool fan will wish him the best. But it was time for him to go. We couldn't renew him at the money that he was currently earning or wanting to be earning and he was basically going to be a bench player. It, it's just not practical, unfortunately. It, it, it is, you know, that's when you have to take the emotion out of it and just look at it from a business perspective, unfortunately. Um, Milner, same thing in that, I, I think, honestly, Milner probably could have done another year at Liverpool if if Klopp had his way, <laughs> certainly. Um, um, I'm kind of surprised he didn't just end his career at Liverpool and just mold into the coaching staff somehow he just morphs into wearing a different you know a, a, a different tracksuit one day in training and all of a sudden oh he's a coach now um but yeah look i think he's chasing obviously that premier league appearances record i don't know if he was going to get it at liverpool Klopp tried desperately to get him as close as he could every single game Klopp had a chance to bring him on Klopp brought him on so um, Klopp definitely helped push him as far as he could in terms of getting to that record for Premier League appearances. Hopefully he gets it. As I said, can't say a bad word about him. But in terms of quality on the pitch, the game was well past him in terms of speed and, and what Liverpool were requiring from him. Again, one of those players you can never question his willingness. But it's, it's, it's completely different if you're willing to do something and if you're capable of doing something. Unfortunately, he got to a point where he wasn't capable of doing it at the level Liverpool required of him. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Time catches, father time catches up to everyone. Um, it doesn't diminish anything he did at the club previously or anything like that. It's, it's just the situation and then the nature of the beast. Um, and then the two other guys in, you know, in Oxley Chamberlain and Naby Keita, sort of the what ifs of, of Liverpool Football Club. Ox, when he came in, I mean, he had that phenomenal game against Man City in the Champions League and the world was absolutely at his feet. He was playing in midfield as he had really wanted to do at Arsenal but wasn't allowed to do. He was absolutely flying and then he gets that horrible knee injury and it's just been injury after injury after that and he's not quite recovered, which which is a really, really, really shameful thing to see. Um, Naby Keita comes in, um, we sign him and then there was a year before he actually joined us. So with any football club, if you have to wait a year for a player to come in, by the time they come in, they've been hyped up as the second coming. There was no way he was ever going to live up to that, uh, in my opinion. But uh, he showed flashes. In my opinion, if he played more games at Liverpool, if he, if, you know, if he was selected in more games, I think Liverpool would have been better for it. But... The whole thing of him being injury prone, I think he had injuries, but a lot of the time it was just Klopp didn't want to play him. Um, he was available, he was fit, he was ready to go. Klopp just didn't choose him. 
Um, whereas, you know, from the outside looking in, you just think, oh, well, he's not playing. He must be injured. And and that narrative sort of built and built. So I, I felt really bad for him in that sense that uh, it's almost a false narrative built for him. But hopefully, again, he he goes off. Uh, I think, think Werder Bremen, he goes off and, and does really well there. And I wish him nothing but the best. But yeah, uh, a lot of players that have gone um, that were important to Liverpool over the last couple of years. But it's sad to see them go, but it's also hopefully means that Liverpool are moving on to the next chapter. They need to move on to the next chapter. They can't keep holding on to this chapter. Um, I, I think that that, that story has been written with that team. They need to now build a new team and, and write a new story. Yeah, well, obviously next season you'll you'll have an opportunity to do that. What do you think the expectations will be heading into next year? Do you think they'll be a little bit lowered after the season that you're coming off of? Or do you think there's an expectation to get back to that kind of title contending space relatively soon? Oh, I'm expecting them to have expectations of titles. Um, whether or not that's going to be the reality, I'm not sure. Because I I, I just think... There's sort of been this air around Liverpool this season of, oh, this is just a blimp. This is, you know, the worst for me was Liverpool trying to say this is a rebuild season. You can't have a rebuild season if you're not signed anyone to rebuild. I don't see how that works. Uh, but anyway, so I've, I've, I've not shaken this eerie feeling off of, everyone's thought, oh, it was just a once-off. Oh, you know, we'll, we'll be fine next year. You know, we'll reset. We'll, we'll sign some players and we'll be good to go to, to challenge for the title again. Hopefully, as a fan, with my fan hat on, I hope that that's the situation. Looking at it from the outside, looking in, trying to be objective, I, I don't see how this team is, is, is challenging City next season. Obviously, you know, the transfer windows are just opened. Um, so a lot can change, but uh, projecting, you know, uh, uh, as things stand and, and projecting what teams could do this window, I think early on Liverpool have good fixtures. They they could be in the race. I just don't know if they can sustain it for an entire season with the Europe, Europa League schedule as well, which is gruesome, which I'm expecting Klopp is going to want to win. Like Klopp is going to want to win that Europa League. There's no such thing as Klopp you know, tanking a, a European trophy. Like, he j it's just in his nature to go for it. So we know Salas and Van Dijk are going to be playing unnecessary minutes in that tournament and it's going to frustrate the living hell out of me. But knowing that Liverpool are going to be going for that trophy next season, and again, it's another avenue into the Champions League. So by all means, go for it, etc. If, if you want to. I just don't see how they can accommodate both that and a Premier League push for a for a title, but hey, they, they they've surprised us before. Um, hopefully, they surprise us again. All right. Well, we will wrap there on that relatively optimistic note. Uh, if you want to tell <laughs> folks where they can find you or anything you're working on, now be a great time. That's as optimistic as you're going to get from me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me at Tad Predicts on Twitter or at a Tad Predictable on Twitter as well. Uh, it's been really fun being on the show this year and looking forward to future shows awesome thanks so much and yeah i'm kevin devries you can find me at kevin on twitter you can find the show at epl roundtable on twitter or by searching epl roundtable in any of your podcast clients it was an absolute pleasure speaking to you today and all season as you said and folks at home we hope you keep listening 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.